Welcome to episode 91, Gump Runners Podcast. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, Jeremy Law here with you tonight at their things seemingly back to normal as they've been the last couple of years. Alabama wins, beats a, a top 15 team at home. Auburn gets thrashed on the road. Things are kind of back to normal here, at least for the time being. Um, yeah, uh, it's good or better, not good, I guess you could say. Um, for Alabama, I guess – you know, for all you basketball fans out there, a tell of two halves was exactly what we had. The old Avery Johnson, the tell of two halves is what we what we saw here in this Alabama Ole Miss game. Alabama wins 24 to 10. Tremendous defensive effort, um, especially, you know, the second half holding Ole Miss to three points without Deontay Lawson on the field. Um, we can, you know, finally have some have a game where we can do our, uh, you know, what we like, what we didn't like. We, we haven't been able to do it really since – since uh since week one against Middle Tennessee State because there's been so much so much havoc going on in the Bama program and, and so much crazy things that Alabama fans are not used to seeing so we've been having to talk about that and you know a lot of it's been negative but today or you know when you know recording this podcast we're gonna have a lot of positive talk as well so Jay Law let's start with you man straight up let's go let's start with the good um I always want to start on a positive note if we can um what were some things that you loved in this game? Um, on Saturday afternoon at two thirty. Yeah, I'll just make I'll make these quick. How about Alabama not going to let the quarterback stand back there and beat them? I mean, I I wish we did that three weeks ago. We didn't, um, but it was really good to see that Alabama didn't have to send five, six, seven guys to get pressure. They let their pass rushers do what they need to do. I know Dallas Turner was in coverage on three plays, but I don't think it was any more than that. So that was a nice sight to see compared to last year as well. But, man, just going after the quarterback. And how about the interior defensive line, man? I, I like those guys too. So overall, I guess defense, Tim Smith played well. Keenan played well. Um, Otis, when he was in, played very well. And our pass rushers just really set the tempo. And how about – and not only that, it's just like the, the times – when we dialed up the blitz, it felt like we always got there. So, man, I thought that was key. And then just on the offensive side of the ball, finally, it took, I guess, three starts for Jalen Milrow since he didn't play two weeks ago to just see us do some things that might get him comfortable. Was it enough? I know Chase is probably going to say it wasn't. But at least just get his legs going on that first drive, on the first third down. Hey, we're going to run the quarterback power left, and we're going to follow our running back and tight end and receiver – we're going to pick up this first down. So just being able to get Milrow comfortable early, um, being able to get after their quarterback for four quarters, and then just the overall defensive performance. Man, you play Ole Miss, you don't give up two touchdowns. That's pretty impressive. I think it says a lot about the experience that came back on this defense and just kind of the mentality shift um, from Pete Golding to Kevin Steele and what he wants to do. Yeah, interior defensive line, that's a really good point that you bring up because – Whenever you play a team, you're, you're gonna you're gonna have to have it again. Whenever you play Tennessee here in a couple of uh, a couple of weeks or about a month or so, um, whenever you whenever you face a team that's that spread out, you know Kiffin wants to use you know, fifty yards of the field um, width wise, and so whenever you have a team that that's that spread out, you have to win your one on ones inside. You can't really afford to put seven or eight in the box. You you can maybe get away with six, but a lot of times you're just gonna have five there in the box and. Uh, so if you can't win, and 
majority of time Alabama plays with those two interior defensive linemen and then Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner on the outside. It's basically a, a four two five, you know, a nickel scheme um where you got two defensive ends, two defensive tackles. Um they run some some they run a variation of that. And so those two interior guys are, are very important because you're gonna get double teamed by the center. Um, you're going to get chipped. He's trying to get to a linebacker. So you have to win your one-on-ones there. And, and J-Law is right. I thought they did a tremendous job doing that. Um, some of the things that I saw, I think one of my top ones is defensive line was a was a, a point of concern for Alabama in the preseason. The other was the wide receivers. But I'm going to say Alabama's pass catchers as a whole. That includes the tight ends. I guess you can say the old H-back, Robbie Oots, too. Um, he made a tremendous catch. Alabama's pass catchers through four games have been elite. It, you can't you can't argue it. Um, Milrow is not really going to hit anybody in the chest unless you're a defender. Um, but Oots, Dupree, Burton, Hale, I think they all made elite catches in this game. Shout out to Jalen Hale. J-Law, you, you sent us a, te- a list of all the people that he had passed up uh, in order to, to get quality reps here in this game in SEC play. With the offensive line struggles, it's nice to see a position group stepping up and helping out as much as they can because, you know, I can't imagine you finally get protection, you finally get a, a decent ball from Milrow, and then they just drop it. You know, that would be so frustrating for Alabama fans. I think the pass catchers deserve a ton of credit. Um, and I think that they've been overlooked by the uh, the offensive struggles from the offensive line and quarterback. Um, another thing that I loved in this game – it's nice to see adjustments made from one half to the next on both sides of the ball. Defensively, I mentioned this in the opening, they held a top five offense to three points without your best player and signal caller um, on the defensive side of the ball. And then offensively, they adjusted the run game blocking scheme. They had zero negative plays and no sacks and no interceptions from Jalen Miller. That's something that Alabama has struggled with over the last three years. And really, it's been Saban's kind of bread and butter over his career, really shutting teams down in the second half, controlling the clock, controlling the line of scrimmage. And it was nice to see Alabama finally get back to that. Lester, what were some of the things that you liked in this game? Yeah, like you said, um, I really, really enjoyed the adjustments that they made. Um, I'm going to come back to Tommy Tommy Reese later, I promise you. But um, first off, Jalen Miro, the guy was – 17 of 21 passing um as someone you know i think all of us we've definitely criticized his accuracy um, now a lot of that is wide receivers made some amazing plays but when it comes down to it when you look at the stat sheet Jalen Miller was 17 of 21 um when they called his number to you know throw the ball to get the ball to a playmaker's hands for the most part he did that um that's really 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 good i'm glad to see that um defensively i mean shoot guys like you said holding kiffin to you know whatever you held him to and shut him up for a good bit um you can't really ask for more um this team is showing signs of getting better so if you're gonna if for my good for the day overall in most phases of the game the team is showing signs of getting better they're showing signs of growth um, I'm glad that Saban benched Proctor's ass for a little bit, him and somebody else. Hey, man, if you're not playing good, get out. Get out. If you can't execute, get out. We'll find somebody who maybe is less talented, but they're going to bust their tail and at least 
do what they're supposed to do to the best of their abilities. You know, what Caden Proctor's done the past couple of weeks has been unacceptable. They pulled his ass out, but when he got back in there, he played much, much better. And on top of that, the offensive line played much better as a whole. Lesser, so overall, seeing the growth of this team is good. Do you think that he got benched for long enough? What was it, like two drives? I didn't even realize it. Yeah, I got a text saying that he was out, and then – yeah, I, I don't know how long he was. It was, out. It was the middle of the second after. quarter until halftime. Yeah, he, I, yeah, he came back after the half. Yeah, I feel like he was out for a good little bit though. Yeah, give up six sacks in three games, and you get benched for a quarter. But heck, dude, right. he came back and played like a right, like Cam Robinson, which was, to me was. Now, I think a lot of the offensive line stuff was time of possession until Ole Miss kind of put those two longer drives together in the fourth quarter. I mean, Alabama's time of possession was up big. And, I mean, dude, we were leaning all over them. We knew that – I mean, a lot of people were saying when it came to D-line versus O-line, they had the clear advantage, and I think we would have said that too. But by the middle of the third quarter, dude, they were gassed. And that's kind of when Latham and then we're pushing them around. Um, but how about – I just sent you all a text too. I just realized that of Jalen Milrose, 17 completions, dude, 10 different pass catchers. So like yeah, I thought I, I to me that means he probably went through more progressions this week, uh, except the one that he should have thrown to Burton in the end zone instead of the interception. But I thought that overall, man, Jalen Milrow looked he looked better. I thought that just it's I, I the only reason I don't like go into the game anymore is because you can't really tell. You don't get all the insights, the instant replays of what you want to see. So just watching this one at home, man, you could really tell that Milrow wasn't just going first read. I'm sure he did on a couple throws, but there were some times where I thought he got at least to the third progression. And I thought, and a lot of those were in the second half. And I think that's why you saw Alabama just really dominate the final 30 minutes. It's like whenever, whenever Saban hired Tommy Reese, this is the type of football that he had in mind, you know, make easy throws, um, lean on lean on the defense, wear him down in the fourth quarter and just control the line of scrimmage. Um, but still, it's another game where Alabama scores 24 points. I know you had the block punt, but then McLaughlin makes the bad snap. You had Milrose picking the end zone. So you're it's another week of taking points off the board for this offense. I think now with uh, Jace's touchdown called back in the old Miss game, I think that's five touchdowns this year negated by penalties. So still some disciplinary issues there. Um, I think that was a Jermaine Burton hold on the outside. But – Let's go ahead and cover Milrow now because since J-Law brought it up and then we'll, you know, we'll talk about some bad things. But I guess, I mean, really our, our bad, what we didn't like about the game is basically the offensive performance in the first half because you didn't have any special teams blunder. Special teams played great. You punted great. You kicked great. Your offense played great in the second half. Your defense played great in both halves. So really all of our what we didn't like are going to be offensive issues in the first half. You know, the Caden Proctor benching, picking the end zone, um, touchdowns getting called back, bad snap on the one-yard line. So we'll go ahead and get into Jalen Milrow. I mean, Lester, you know, you like the way he played. Um, to me, the thing that's so frustrating is still the turnovers. And I don't want to just sit here and say, oh, well, we just have to account for him turning the ball over once, twice a game. Like, no. These aren't tip passes that are just falling to a lineman's hands or, you know, great one-handed plays by DBs, toe-tapping on the sidelines. These are balls put in chests of the, of defenders. And 
quarterbacks are going to make bad throws. I understand that. You have to hope that your bad throws are incompletions, not interceptions. You have to pray that your quarterback's bad throws are like Buckner's against South Florida when you miss an out route, you spike a 12-yard pass, you throw a ball out of bounds on a corner route, et cetera. Unfortunately for Jalen, his bad throws have been put in the chest of defenders. And so, like I said, it's not like these guys are making great plays. He's putting it in between their numbers. That has to change. Do you think that's something? I mean, because we've seen it lose Alabama games before. You know, it didn't help against Texas. I'm not going to sit here and say that it lost a game against Texas, but it certainly didn't help. You saw the A&M game last year. He had three turnovers in that game. Um, A&M has a chance to win it, like the five-yard line and the incomplete pass to Evan Stewart. So, Lester, just dive into Jalen Miller's performance a little bit deeper than you did. I know he was 17 out of 21, um, but talk about some of the good and bad plays that he made. I think this goes back to um, going back to the interception, the bad part. Like Jay Law said a couple weeks ago, Jalen Miller simply ran a play when he – when that play was called and he snapped the ball, he knew where he was going to from the beginning. He didn't go through not one read, not one pro- progression, because if he did, he would look 10 feet in front of him and saw Burton there ready to walk it in, you know, maybe untouched. So, you know, I think he's just still – he's still getting acclimated to exactly what they want him to do. Now, if we're still seeing plays like that in two, three weeks – that's bad because no improvements, no progressions have been made there. But um, once again, it was awful. It was terrible. But now it's on film. Now, Jalen Miro, you cannot simply run a play. Every single play, you have to do your due diligence and go through your progressions. One, two, and three. And whatever defense they were in, I think it was some some weird thing that maybe threw them off. It probably did. But once again, that goes back to, you know, coaching, Growing, studying um, about the game, and you know, going to going to coaching there, Lester. He might have been told, "Look, Ole Miss runs man to man ninety nine percent of the time." Because Golding ran man inside the five. He, I mean, or inside in, inside the ten. You know that. I mean, that's what got us beat against LSU last year. You know that like, everybody always picks us, and Alabama's actually Nick Saban. You can say runs man inside the ten yard line, and really ninety five percent of teams do anyway. And so he was probably told they're going to be in man-to-man. And it looked like they were more in just like a goal line, just kind of fence coverage, like everybody play a yard or two deep in the end zone. Um, And so it it might have been just a coaching thing where instead of, you know, Jalen's like, I know where my read is, the coaches are like, this is where you're going with the ball. Is that that a possibility? Sure, 100%. Based off, like you said, 99% of the time, this is what other teams do. Um, But, you know, against a better team, you know, that one interception, that, you know, changing that thing up to something they do 5% of the time, that'll get you beat. It didn't this week against Ole Miss, but, you know, it's on film now. It's on film now for whoever down the road, they now see that. So it's just one another one of those things you have to keep an eye on. J-Law, there's no such thing as a perfectly called game. Um and Tommy Reese has had three or two, I guess two pretty bad ones in a row. Middle Tennessee, I guess, is okay. Um, but this game, you know, at least for power five teams, the two power five teams that he's faced, um, definitely the better called game for Tommy Reese. It's not saying much, but 
you know, he, he ran play side dives out of the shotgun. I, I talked a little bit about that last week where you're in the shotgun and you're not running to the opposite side of the line. You're actually running to the play side of the line where the, on the side of the back is uh, pre-snap. You, you know, there's some linemen I saw pulling on some counter runs, some quarterback design runs. You know, I still want more, like you said. You know, I'm always going to – you know, he, he called his deep shots at the right time. I thought that Reese, the best part of his called game this week, I think his route concepts are really good in his offense. I will say that. I don't really agree with the run game right now. I need to see more. Um, but I think his route concepts, Jalen Milrow really doesn't throw too many balls in the tight windows. And we've mentioned before, there's no Devonta Smith out here. There's no Jerry Judy. There's no Jalen Waddle, et cetera. So Alabama, I think they have good, I think they have above average receivers. But I don't think there's anybody elite out there. And it seems like a lot of the passes that Jalen Milrow threw, there were guys running pretty much wide open. So I was really impressed with the route concepts. But talk about the job that Tommy Reese did in this game. Yeah, there are still some Tommy Reese haters after this game, especially after the first half. But I know when you're – Yeah, I'm, I'm one of them, buddy. I'm one of them. I'm, yeah, I'm, and I'm, I mean, like, I don't – I don't really know why because I just remember being – I was at the Texas game and, dude, there was, again, seven or eight plays where dudes were running wide open down the field and Milrow either A, didn't have time to get it to him or B, got to that part of his read. Even going back to the touchdown – I mean, the interception in the end zone, even if they were in man, I mean, just look over there. He's bracketed. Like, you can't throw that ball. You eventually are, like Lester said, going to have to make some progressions and say, hey – that's not open, but but I also thought Alabama did some different stuff with Milrow this week. I mean, how many times did Milrow check to the line this game? I mean, it almost felt like they opened a lot of stuff up for Milrow to look back over to the sideline, change a new play against Texas. Man, I've, I don't maybe I was just in the stands and didn't notice it, but I don't feel like they changed the play many times at the line of scrimmage in that game. But man, like I felt like Tommy Reese got our guys in the right place at the right time to score. Um, to be able to move the ball down the field and win this ball game, and he, the interception play, I mean, I, maybe we were playing like they were in man. Who knows? But all I know is he's called a play where there was not a guy within seven yards of Jermaine Burton, and he's standing on the three yard line. It's a touchdown. Um, there was a couple more plays in the game where they showed it where guys were open. Maybe Jalen Milrow didn't have time. There were some times where receivers were open, where you know Isaiah Bond floated in the zone when he should have sat down and stayed where he was and would have moved the chain. So overall, I just think if you, uh, he is his job. He, he has to take, um, I guess, responsibility for the miscues on offense as well, whether it's that Seth McLaughlin snapping it over Milrow's head, Isaiah Bond, not running the, or not sitting down on his route the right way, or, you know, anything else that goes wrong in the game. Tommy Reese has to take responsibility for that. But I mean, I just can't sit here and harp on this guy knowing that we've played a lot of games this year, including the South Florida game where dudes are running wide open. And if the if the offensive line would block or if the quarterback would throw it to the right guy, Alabama wouldn't be sitting at three consecutive games without scoring 30 points. But, no, I was impressed with Tommy Reese. I th thought the biggest thing he had to do was get Milrow comfortable early. Um, and even bigger than that, after the interception, making sure that Milrow could keep his head in the game and not let that snowball. Because what have we seen from Milrow a lot in his career? When he turns the ball over, dude, it's going to snowball. You got two examples of it. Uh, but he didn't let it snowball on him this year, uh, in this game against Ole Miss. So I, I was pretty static about that. But 
again, I thought guys were open. I thought that uh, Milrow did a good job of finding those guys in the second half, and I thought Tommy Reese did a really good job of even disguising some runs, like Chase is talking about in the run game. I thought he did some things to help out the offensive line, too. Overall, I'm not going to give him an A-plus for this game, but I will give Tommy Reese an a A-minus calling this game. I, I would have loved okay. a lot more quarterback runs. Yeah. I would have loved um, a, a lot more of some things that I think Jalen Milrow can do. I know Chase is going to bring up he should sell the fake every time. Every I think time, that should be man. Coached. Every this should be coached time. Into this- and I 100% agree with you. It should be coached into this offense that yeah. Alabama should never hand the ball off without the defense thinking that Jalen Milrow might keep it. I mean, it should be every single time. So there's still things I want to see, but I thought in this game, Alabama could have easily gotten to 35 to 37 points, especially if they didn't run a QB sneak on first and 10. There's yeah. no telling how that drive ends too. Right, because, I mean, you, you if you even get a field goal whenever you throw the pick, that's, what, 27 and then another seven from the one. That's – 34 points. I think I think that's about what Alabama should be at in SEC play. I think that's what you're going to get from this offense, Max. Um, you know, yeah, the fake, dude. I mean, I, watching the Eagles, and I know I sent y'all a play where Jalen Hurts, it's a, it's a dive. Jalen Hurts has no – there's no way he's going to keep this ball. It's not even a read. Like, they're blocking the, the play side end. But because he takes a – he pulls his hands out after the handoff and he takes – just one step, hard fake. The safety runs down. The place side safety runs down to, to take Jalen, and then the guard and tackle are able to double from the end up to the backer, and DeAndre Swift breaks it for like a 20-yard gain where that safety could have been could have been there, filled the hole, and made the play for like a four, five, six-yard gain. Um, but since Jalen carried out that fake and since he's such a huge threat to run um, – the safety just takes himself completely out of the play. And that's little stuff that I don't understand why you don't use that with Jalen Milrow. Like, even if there's no chance he's keeping it, there's like this play is 100% a dive. It is not a read. Just if Mil and Milrow should be doing this on his own. Like, just pull your hands out after you hand it off and just run two hard steps. I'm not asking you to give me a full out 15, 20 yard sprint to the sideline every time you hand the ball off, but just something to hold the. All three levels, defensive linemen, linebackers, and secondary, just for a split second, you never know. That might be the difference in springing your running back and turning a five-yard gain into, into a 25-yard gain. But, Lester, I'm about to get to you. The only thing I, I worry about this offense after this performance is this offense can't afford to become predictable. And I sent you all this, this uh, breakdown as well. There's average Joes on Tider and Sider that have figured out that Robbie Oots has been used as a blocker on 76 of his 89 snaps this year. So 85% of the time when 45 is in the game, you don't even have to cover him, and you can use his defender to either spy Milrow or blitz because we're going to run the football. Um, and so if if average Joes are figuring this stuff out, then Jimbo and company are definitely going to figure it out. Reese has got to make sure he does not get predictable um, because I don't think they have the offensive talent in the offensive system to be predictable and still be successful. Does that make sense? So, Lester, give me your breakdown of Tommy Reese. Um, we're going to turn the floor over to you. Yeah, man. Like, like you are saying, the little things matter. The little things get your tail beat, buddy. They will. There's no reason from the one. You you going shotgun? Why? 
why from that play period fire Tommy Reese into the sun because that's unacceptable man it is unacceptable you cannot do that like you just said this team does not have the offensive talent to afford to, to squander to waste any kind of yardage field position because Tommy Reese is going shotgun from the one yard line who I forget who sent us the picture of the clip um of Deron Payne and whoever in the back in the um backfield on that run play you have 600 pounds running in one gap that's a touchdown 100% of the time buddy why is that play not in the playbook why where did it go i have no idea cuz that's unacceptable i i will not accept that Tommy Reese i don't care what he did from that point on, no, you can't do that. And I'm so glad you brought up Robbie Hughes, Chase. I'm so glad. You know why? Because his sorry ass missed blocks that would have sprung, you know, would have sprung maybe a touchdown. He did it twice that I can remember. Twice. And you can't do that. Him, Dupree, you cannot. You just said it. This team does not have the offensive talent to make up. For the little shit, and it's stuff like that, missing blocks. I mean, it's not like you, it's not like you, you know, you engage the guy, you know, maybe he beats you. That happens in football. No, you completely freaking whiff. No, that's unacceptable. They can't, they can't do that consistently. And it's been happening consistently and it hasn't been fixed yet. If you can't block, find somebody who can, find an offensive lineman, throw up. 87 on him or whatever, put his ass in the block. If you're good, if you're Alabama, they won't be able to stop it anyway. So, you know, that that's just that's just my ugly. Like, like you said, you you can't we don't have the offensive talent to keep up and to keep on making the little mistakes. Sure, you get a field goal, maybe. Sure, you do X, Y, and Z, maybe. And that can be the difference. You know, that field goal, yeah, that field goal could be the difference. It, those those extra four points. And another thing, too, kick the, the doggone ball inbounds. The field is 50-what yards wide. Kick it inbounds. That happened three or four times Saturday. Nice. You cannot yeah, it. Kick it out of kick it out the end zone. I've never understood kicking it to the two. 40. Huh? I've never understood kicking it to the two on the outside of the hash. Just Makes kick it no through sense. the end zone. Or just swim it like you did and go down there and bust their ass at the 15-yard line. That was fun. That yeah. looked like that looked like vintage vintage Nick Saban special teams right there. Yeah, they just it's like it's, you can't give good teams the ball from the 40 three or four times a game. You you can't do it. You can't do it. Yeah, uh, I mean really last thing I'll say about the offense is I don't think they're good enough to win games in the high 30s. Let's just kind of piggybacking off of what you said. I, I, you do have to play as close to perfect as you can. Um, you know, if the center can't snap the ball and the quarterback can't stop throwing it to the other team, I think Alabama's still a three or four loss team minimum. Um, you know, Alabama scored 24 points on Ole Miss. Well, you know, Georgia Tech scored 23 on the road over there in Oxford. Um, so mentioned earlier, Alabama should have had 34 points minimum. Um, as much as everybody wants it to. The defense isn't going to hold everybody to 10 points, so don't everybody start bashing the defense whenever they give up a couple of big plays because that was a that was a a rare – I want to say a rare performance, but that was a tremendous performance by this defense and something we'll talk about in a minute. Um, we know, everybody, if you, if you know 
Jimbo versus Saban. Jimbo eats Saban alive with his motions that he uses for one game a year. Um, LSU has a dynamic quarterback that can run and throw. Tennessee has a dynamic offense that hangs on the balance of their quarterbacks inaccuracies or accuracy. Um, Auburn presents a a tough environment, one of the toughest environments in the country whenever Alabama plays there every two years. Uh, You know, Alabama, they're not going to win those games if Milrow continues to turn the ball over, if the center can't snap it to the quarterback. um, There's really – and there's really no excuse for either to happen. Um, But, you know, anything else offensively, um, any other positive – Jayla, talk about Jace McClellan, man. This guy – he didn't – I guess he did get benched against South Florida. Um, I thought he ran like a man possessed. I think the the benching might have helped him and uh, made him – he really helped in the passing game. And then, uh, then of course, you know, ran the ball really well. Talk about Jace and his progression this year so far. Yeah, I mean, after the South Florida game, people were wondering, too, what's up with Jace? And now people are already – they're already back on the – this is a guaranteed NFL running back train, which, I mean – He's going to be a guy coming out out of Alabama with limited touches. You know, to back-to-back years, he's had injury problems. He's the go-to guy this year. It's kind of like – that's kind of why you come to Alabama. You don't want to be the go-to guy until you're NFL eligible. Um, But I thought he played a heck of a game, just like Lester was talking about. There's a couple of plays where J.C. Latham or Robbie Oots, if they would have picked up a guy, you're talking 25-yard gain or more, maybe touchdowns for Jace McQuillan. Hit the hole hard. But, man, people got to realize that you got – to be able to hit the hole hard, man, there's got to be a hole. To be able to hit the hole hard, there's got to be an opening somewhere. You can't you can't be doing jump cuts behind the line of scrimmage and and have a, a good day running the football. And in the second half, man, Alabama just ran the football. Would they get 131 yards on the ground or something like that? But they were all in the second half. And once Alabama had that Ole Miss defensive line gas, I mean, there really wasn't anything that they were going to be able to do about it with the, how Jace was running how Alabama's doing a good job of getting a hat on a hat. And I think if Alabama just continues to block marginally better than they did against Texas, this Alabama run game will really come together. And I was I was impressed with Roy Dell. I thought that in the first half of Alabama needed a yard or two, Roy Dell Williams was the way to go. But Jace really did, got the job done in the second half. And just like Saban said, man, he feels really good about four backs. And, you know, that Jace and Roy Dell two-headed monster – might be fun down the stretch if this offensive line can get it together. Yeah, amen to that. Um, switching over defensive side of the ball, Lester, Terion Arnold, um, a guy that I picked for one of my breakout players this year. I thought he and Tim Smith were going to have big years on the defensive side. Um, I thought Terion showed flashes last year. Uh, he was a – a safety coming out of high school. He redshirted his freshman year and, and made the move to, to cornerback and um, gave up a ton of big plays, gave up some big plays against Texas, had some bogus or bonehead uh, pass interference calls where he just held on to the guy's jersey for 20 yards. But then this week, you know, Kiffin even said that, you know, we, we tried to go after number three um, like we did last year and it didn't work. So tremendous game by Terion. Talk about what you've seen from him. Um Really just this game, because we know we, we know we got Texas game. But talk about what you saw from Terry on last Saturday. Yeah, once again, uh, we talk a lot about development um, as far as players go. Why hasn't this guy gotten better? Why hasn't he developed? What, like, you know, coaching, like, why isn't, you know, who's the coach? And we're ready to fire that coach's ass because, you know, you have a slew of position, guy, position players who have not developed. And I think Terry on is one of those guys who – 
that's been developed and it's developing and is getting better. You know, you can argue that Terrion probably going to get more pressure on him than most DBs in the country. Absolutely. On yeah. the upside, who's locked down. So, you know, you saw the couple times that Kool-Aid got tested Saturday. That, that ain't happened, buddy. You, you, you're just not going to do that. So, you know, of course, Terrion has a target on his back because, you know, you can't go to the All-American number one over there. So we have to go for this guy. And as far as I can tell so far this season, he's handled that pressure extremely well. He's made some plays here and there. You know, everybody's going to get busted on. Deion Sanders has got busted on a couple of times. Like, it's not – nobody's immune to that. So um, in the time that he's been playing, he's gotten better, and it's showing. And I have no doubt he's going to get better as the season goes on. So you can be looking at two lockdown corners for Alabama going uh, forward. Buddy, Dion got his damn ass whooped this weekend. Oh, yeah, a couple times. Yeah, everybody gets beat. <laughs> everybody. Every DB gets beat. I mean, gonna... that, I'm talking about this weekend, like, holy shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was He got his ass whooped. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's not surprising. It's going to happen again this week, too. Bo Nix for Heisman, man. Golly, I'm pulling for him. Who would have let, let that kid go? Jeez. Yeah, no. How do you how do you let that kid transfer out of your program, especially you know if his dad played played at that school? But anyway, uh, J Law. Hey man, Deontay Lawson goes out into the first half, or in in the first half, second half. Alabama tremendous linebacker play. Tresman Marshall, Jihad Campbell, Kendrick Blatshire playing their asses off this week um, with Deion's help in question. I would not play him if I was Nick Saban, not with the with the road trip to Kyle Field on the horizon. Last time you played there, you got beat in 2021. So I would get him as healthy as I could for that matchup. If that's the case, you got Kendrick, you got Jihad, you got Trez. There's no wrong answer to this question, but who would be the two that you go with to start the game? Well, I think one of them is obviously Trez and Marshall, and I think he was recruited because – he was a, a smart guy. You don't have to worry about him being out of position. Now, he might get out-athleted, as we saw on 4th and 23. Um, he got beat, but he's not. He's probably not going to be in the wrong spot. You can trust him to call the defense if Deontay Lawson isn't there. So, obviously, one of those to me is Tresman Marshall. Man, and I'm a big Jahad Campbell guy. Like, I was thinking that Jahad Campbell might be that guy right beside Deontay Lawson to start the year. But, man, Kendrick Blackshire, when he got in the game Saturday, I mean – he kind of showed you who he was before he tore his ACL in high school because he went from being one of the top overall inside backers in the country and ended up slipping a little bit after that major knee injury that he had. But, man, he he kind of showed you some flashes what he was doing at Duncanville. Um, and so, you know, I really – I think it'll be Jihad just because he's probably had the nod all, all year as being kind of, you know – 1A, 1B right there in the middle linebacker spot with Tresman Marshall. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if if Jihad comes in and makes a couple mistakes, they feel very comfortable with throwing Kendrick Blackshire out there and letting it go. And I know – I guess I think we got confirmation today that Deontay Lawson's not going to play and neither is Terrence Ferguson, who a lot of people thought were coming from that right guard spot um, because of how poorly Darren Dalcourt's playing. I think Saban said neither one of them was able to go on Wednesday. And normally, if that's the case, they don't play. So What happened to, what happened to Ferg? I missed that. Uh, he went in for somebody. Oh, Dalcourt got hurt early in the game Saturday. Ferguson went in, and I think he's got a ankle sprain or a knee sprain or something too. Hmm. Wow. 
Well, yeah, I, I, I would not play Lawson, even if he if, if even if he felt like he could go. Um, he's just too valuable of a guy to to lose in this type of game. And look, we'll move into Mississippi State. It's it's not an easy place to play. Um, fortunately for Alabama, you're not coming off of the LSU game, which is what we have seen for uh, feels like decades. You know, right after that hard fought NFL players all over the field grinded out, just grudge match against LSU. You've got to go play in Starkville every other year, and even at home. I mean, because Mississippi State is always a quality SEC opponent, but. After that game, you know, you're beat up. You're not really focusing on your next opponent. And Mississippi State has played Alabama tough, especially in Starkville um, over the last decade, 15 years or so. Um, so heading into this matchup, I, I don't expect it to be a blowout just because, once again, I don't think Alabama is suited. I don't think this team is is suited for a blowout. Um, I think their blowouts are more along the lines of, 34, 35 to 10. I think that's about as bad as you're going to get. Um, but, Lester, talk about this game. Deontay Lawson's out. Will Rogers, they kind of went back to the old air raid a little bit against South Carolina. Went up on the road and threw it 48 times against South Carolina. Now, I know South Carolina's defense, especially their pass defense, is not great. So, that might have been in the game plan. But Will Rogers goes up there and goes 30 for 48. This guy's thrown a lot of passes at Mississippi State. He's played a lot of football. He's he's the most experienced quarterback in the SEC. So what do you think Mississippi State does to attack Alabama? Do you think they kind of stay through the air? Do you think they kind of – because under Zach Arnett, their first-year head coach, they have a new offensive coordinator that came over from Appalachian State. They wanted to try to get to more of a balanced system, so they've been trying to run in, throw a little bit. And um, it seemed like against South Carolina, they just let it go. So what do you think we see from Mississippi State coming off of that that seven-point loss at South Carolina last weekend? Um, if, if it worked, uh, if it worked, I believe they're going to keep going at it. Uh, but you got to realize, like, Mike Leach, uh, rest in peace to the Pirate, the guy recruited for Air Raid, you know, the entire – Yeah, you know, whole roster. Yeah. You can't, you can't just change offensive philosophies from something so drastic to something, you know, less than, you know, to more balanced attack. So, you know, clearly, you know, Will Rogers, like I said, the most experienced SEC quarterback, the guys are really, really good, honestly. Um, and I believe that that's, gonna, that's something that's going to make him more comfortable. You know, this game, I do believe they're probably going to try to chuck it up 50 times, especially when our pass rush from our forward down lineman isn't, isn't great by any means. So they really don't have to worry about that much pressure. And I'm sure they believe that they can just get some time. They're going to have guys running wide open. So especially with, um, you know, having an experienced linebacker out, uh, communication is going to be really, really important, especially with all those damn cowbells cow ringing. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I think they're going to try to throw it all over the yard. Um, they're going to try to score a lot of points and put pressure on our offense, to be honest with you. Yeah, J-Law um, offensively, um, I mean, Miss State's giving up. They give up 37 to South Carolina, 41 to LSU, even 24 to Arizona, who's just putrid. Um, so is there anything defensively that Mississippi State does that worries you about what Alabama would try to do? Are you worried about Milrow going on the road? I think that's my biggest fear in this game is Milrow being on the road with the cowbells. There's only, what, 65,000 people, but it's super loud because of the cowbells. The only artificial noisemaker allowed in the country and uh, and man, I I mean, talk, it, literally, you can get rattled. Literally, 
Like, I mean, that just literally is what that means. You can get rattled. And a guy like Milrow hasn't made a road start. Um, all of the starts have been inside the comfort of Bryant-Denny Stadium. I know he came in against Arkansas last year and had two big runs and helped win that game. But is there is there anything to worry about offensively or is there anything offensively that really worries you about this matchup with Mississippi State and their defense? Well, I think this is a game where if you're Alabama, you feel comfortable throwing the ball. I mean, dude, they, Mississippi State cannot stop the pass, which I thought – listen, I really thought that they would be better defensively with Arnett taking over. I mean, I thought that they might even go into a slight bit of a shell on offense just to help their defense a little more because, you know, if Mike Leach ever – Man, if he ever went, you know, three and out three times in a row, there was a chance they were down 21 nothing with Mike Leach as the head coach. So, you know, I thought that they would be better. They're just not um, as far as uh, on defense. Now, LSU is a good offensive team. South Carolina is, too. Spencer Rattler, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if maybe not the best quarterback in the SEC. Just looking at, you know, some of his performances. But, you know, I, I just think that – I just thought that they would be better. So, I'm not – I think Alabama can duplicate – can replicate, rather, some of the stuff that those teams have done, LSU and and South Carolina has done against Mississippi State. And I think this is a game where you you feel comfortable letting Milrow throw. I don't know if y'all have watched those games, but, man, LSU and South Carolina had dudes. Why? I mean, like, nobody near them in those games. So I think that's a game where you can get Milrow comfortable. It's a game where I think you're going to see what he's made of on the road. It's going to be loud. It's going to be crazy. Eight o'clock kickoff. People been tailgating all day. Um, Mississippi State knows what it would mean to beat Alabama at home. Um, but I just think Alabama is just that much better. And I just think if even if they can open up the pass game a little bit, what that would do for this Alabama run game, because I feel like they're going to come out, their defense is going to come out coming downhill. They're going to make us want to throw. So if we can throw, man, I just think that changes everything in this game for Alabama. So, man, I, I, we'll see what we do. If Alabama can get a hat on a hat and play, you know, ball control, you know, keep kind of grind the game a little bit in the first, you know, 18 minutes or so, first quarter, start of the second quarter, I think that they could probably have their way in this ball game offensively. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's going to be every team's um... – game plan against Alabama is to stop the run. You have to stop run, you know, running back and quarterback. You put a you put a you put a stop to that. And um you don't everybody's gonna test Melrose arm early. And so yeah, it would not be a bad idea to maybe open up with some some deep shots and some easy throws for Milrow to get his feet wet on the road in that environment. Um Lester just looked at it as of now Alabama in my book is 14 and a half. On the road at Mississippi State, eight o'clock in Starkville. Does Alabama cover 14 and a half? Lester, that was for you. You're muted. Yep. It, there you go. Um, yeah. Watching Tommy yeah, Reese highlights. Um, I think, yeah, I think they will cover um, 14 and a half. I think this will be a great game for. I don't just to open it up a little bit. If the, And if they don't open it up a little bit, just execute better come out come out of the game strong let's not have to rely on a, a halftime rah-rah speech to come out have a fire lit under your ass that's one thing i've i've kind of not liked this year about elbow football like they come out slow let's do something do what you got to do come out the gates and let's score a touchdown let's get 10 points off the first two drives especially um against this Mississippi State team who isn't that great defensively despite their head coach being a 
a defensive guru. So yeah, I think they cover the 14 and a half. Um, yeah, but let's come out strong. Let's get let's get let's go a couple points early and quiet that crowd down a little bit. I uh I'm gonna say Alabama does cover in this game. I'm I'm not gonna say they they blow they blow out Mississippi State because you know, I hate to say this, but until he proves me wrong, you still have to count on Jalen Milrow to turn the ball over once or twice a game. So hopefully he goes over there and plays, you know, keeps that those icy whites as clean as possible and uh doesn't turn the ball over, no fumbles, no picks. Um, but until he does that, I don't say, you know, Mississippi State does get six, seven points off turnovers. So I'm going to put it about maybe – I'm going to say 31 to 14. So I think Alabama does cover. I think they win by 17 points. Um, and so, yeah, I th- I'm going to say Alabama 31-14. JL, does Bama cover the 14 and a half to you? Yeah, I actually like Bama in the high 30s. I just don't think. I think if Alabama – the only thing you can't measure is what Jalen Milrow is going to do, which kind of sucks. Because in any other any other quarterback placed with these receivers, even with the offensive line that's played, if they play half as good as they did against Ole Miss, you would feel really comfortable about blowing this Mississippi State team out, whether it's Mac Jones, Bryce Young, to uh, whoever. You just cannot – you can't prepare to, to – Jalen Miller is going to turn it over three times, or is he going to have three touchdowns? Is he going to run for 150 yards, or is he going to try to show you that he's as good of a thrower of the football as Bryce Young? But I do like Alabama in this game. I think that eventually they'll have their way in this game. I like it probably somewhere around 38-13. I like Bama obviously big in this one. I just think they're going to be way too much for Mississippi State, a team that's already dropped two in a row, um, pretty lopsided in both of those games too. So – once I think once things turn bad for Mississippi State, man, it's gonna be hard for them to keep their head in it. Alabama thirty, I'll go thirty-eight. Yeah, I'll keep it at thirteen. I do not see this this team scoring seventeen or more on Alabama. Right. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, even though Alabama is on the road, um, going to be interesting. We I'm looking forward to seeing how Kevin Steele operates. How this, you know? Are we looking to the sidelines? Are we getting calls in late? Are they uh, in the comfort of their own stadium? Are they doing stuff to confuse us to get guys open? Um, so this is gonna—that's gonna be the biggest thing that I'm watching for, uh, especially heading into that that A and M matchup because that's what Jimbo is you know, prides himself on whenever he plays Nick Saban is uh, scheming guys open and doing stuff to confuse them pre-snap. And uh, so that's something that I'm definitely gonna be watching for. How comfortable is the defense in a hostile road environment? Um, Better the week. Hell, I'm I'm pretty glad I lost mine last week. I think I took Ole Miss. J-Law, are you going with Penn State again? Of course. That, didn't you say earlier, you said even if they're playing the Dolphins, I'm betting with Penn State. And that, and that what you said earlier? Well, I'd be four enough if I picked Penn State every week. But, man, they're <laughs> yeah. a 27-point road Ooh. this week. Uh, so, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull that one off. Just looking at their play. They're on the road at Northwestern at 11 o'clock. 27-point favorites. I don't know. I think the easy bet this week is USC could score 100 if they wanted to. Um, I know one of y'all is probably already going to pick USC Colorado, even though it's at Colorado. Man, what these USC wide receivers have done, including Zachariah Branch, has been pretty daggum good. And how about USC's defense? Is like, for some reason, just thinking about it, they're like, all they needed to be was slightly improved, and they might be playing for a natty last year. Um, so I like USC big. I think that Lincoln Riley, um, he's going to be 
he he's going to be the next Dan Lanning. He's going to be the next racist coach to beat up on Dion just because Dion's Dion and they hate him. I like him. I like USC by I, if this was at twenty six, I'd probably take it. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Being in Boulder, I don't know. It's going to be tough, and and we'll we'll find out if Dion learn. You know, if he's learned anything, and I don't know what much or what you can learn from a an ass beating like that, but uh. Yeah, we'll find out. Um, being in Boulder, I don't know. I just don't know. You really don't know how much how much of a home uh, home field advantage that actually posed. You know, of course, you know Colorado State. They're all fired up. But let's see. You know, now that it's died down a little bit after he got his ass whooped. Yeah, what happens if USC goes up thirteen yeah. nothing, fourteen nothing, and the mm-hmm. guy people that don't even care about football? Yeah, is, all, the, know, all, all the white up. guys. Like and the, you also got to remember, dude, they got some dudes that have transferred in there. Bear Alexander. I mean, they have some SEC type players on that yeah. USC roster, and there right. aren't any other. Well, Travis Hunter, that's about it. He's not playing. Um, it's maybe Shador, but other than that, I don't. I don't really see it. Yeah. Um. But hey, my bet of the week. I I don't see how. I think I saw a stat today. Correct me if I'm wrong, J Law, because I don't know if I think it got sent to us. I don't remember who sent it. I didn't. Is it Auburn has not passed for a hundred yards against in their last five Power Five games? Is that correct? Yeah, they have not thrown for hundred yards in any of their last five. So why do we think games? that's gonna a streak is gonna stop against one of the best? pass defenses in the country because Georgia's been up on everybody. So everybody has to throw to try to catch up. Georgia's got a top five pass defense in the country already through four games or through the, yeah, four games this year. So I don't, even being at home, even with the offensive guru and Reverend Hugh Freeze, I don't see how, I mean, unless God puts his hand – you know, he does what Charles Barkley said. Charles Barkley said, if y'all going to be down there baptizing people, please, please pray for better quarterback play. If he answers that prayer, I can see Auburn keeping this under 14 and a half. But I just – Georgia's offense has been very average. But doesn't it have to be? I mean, who who have they had to play? Ball State, UAB? Um, what's it – I mean, can't they afford to be vanilla? Maybe – um, Mike Bubba opens it up a little bit, but I think they can literally run it every single play in this game. Carson Beck can be zero for zero for zero yards, and Auburn or Georgia can still cover the 14 because I think it might just take 17 points to cover it. I don't see how Auburn can go to College Station. A&M's got a solid defense. I don't think they're anything like Georgia and not scoring off as a touchdown. I don't even know if they got into the red zone, but um, I don't see how Auburn can score in this game. So I'd look for Georgia to win this one 31 to three, maybe, I mean, 27 to nothing. I I don't see Auburn at a minimum or I'm sorry, a maximum of 10. That's with a defensive touchdown and a field goal, just like last week in in college station. So uh, I've got Georgia covering 14 and a half on the road in Jordan hair. Lester, what's your bet of the week? Yeah, well, first, I, I'm going to take Bama um, 38-20. to 20, But as far as my bet of the week, Florida at Kentucky. Kentucky's a one-point favorite. I'm thinking Florida's going to win this game. I'm going to go with Florida plus one. Didn't Mark Stoops say that even though it's 11 o'clock, I have faith in our Kentucky faithful to get up and pound some beers? You don't think it's going <laughs> to be crazy in Lexington? You don't think so? It is. This is going to be a big game for old Billy, you know. 
coming off remember, of the, I mean, remember what Florida did on the road? Huge game for Napier. They beat, they beat Tennessee. Yeah. Um, you don't think there's a hangover so, there? I guess if he's weeks. a good coach, it's they can't afford to have a hangover. Well, hell, I don't think he is. <laughs> well, people were ready to fire Napier, and now Utah looks yeah. pretty freaking good, too. I mean, like, yeah. he's got a good oh, roster yeah. down there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Florida to uh, beat Kentucky on the road. All right, guys. Well, yeah. Um, make sure y'all get plenty of sleep Friday, sleep in Saturday. Don't get up at 8 o'clock and try to watch game day and, you know, Watch all the sad stories they put on there and watch McAfee go crazy. Sleep in, try to wake up at 10 or 11 because if you're a Bama fan, we got a late night. And um, I don't know. Lester, <clears throat> look, dude, I- I've seen you in my own house in Tuscaloosa many a night. We're watching the Braves. We're watching the NBA, whatever it is. And I look over and you got that black recliner kicked back. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But hey, hey, I got. Do you think you make it time. through this game? Well, check this out. I get off work Saturday morning at six fifteen. Oh. I'm going oh, home. You're cheating. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I'm cheating. I'm going oh, home. Okay. I'm gonna sleep. Yeah. And then I'm gonna wake up about twelve one o'clock. I'll be ready to go. Yeah, you're. Yeah, thank God for your night shift because I don't think yeah. your ass. You're. You're one of the. Every time we get a late kick, and you know, I've seen you get up for a tailgate. I've seen you be on the quad at 6 30, 7 o'clock in the morning for an 8 p.m. kick against Ole Miss. I've seen that with my own eyes. Hey, but that, that was, was 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was an impressive feat. But hell, you know, 10 years ago is when I caught you snoozing on the couch three times a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. At nine o'clock. <laughs> so, yeah, you're always the first person I think of whenever you and my grandmother, whenever we, uh, we, ha- we, have, a, we have a late kickoff. But, uh, yeah, I, I talked to my grandmother earlier today, too. She said, I might not make it to halftime. I said, I don't blame you, Grandma. Yep. But uh, anything you guys want to add regarding um, Mississippi State game or Ole Miss game? Not really. Have, have patience with Tommy Reese. Lester. Okay. Just I mean – I just, just, I, just think, I just think that Tommy – if Nick Saban didn't want Tommy Reese in the shotgun, he would have called a timeout. I mean, the, the head man's got the thing in his ear. I want to say this big case. Really and they were rushed on the field. I don't, I don't know. I don't, but like I, I told don't. like I told John, I texted you, all he's got to do is go snake it. That's it. Right, right Wait, when they why pop. isn't that the default? You've Surely you've practiced getting a pick or something on the end zone, and what are you going to do? Go five I, I agree it should have been a sneak. I mean, but I'm just saying if Nick Saban like really wanted it to be a sneak, he he hears every play and can talk to Tommy Reese for all three hours around the field. Yeah. I think maybe, he's just trying to be a little easy on Tommy, to be honest with you. But that's another conversation. Well, maybe he does have full control of the offense. You know, he says it. You know, yeah, maybe he so. barely believe it, but maybe hell it maybe he's got it. So Everything that is wrong with the offense should be on Tommy Reese. You know, not physically, like, you know, mistakes, but play calling. You know, you know, it should be on Tommy Reese. So I mean he he clearly got better. He clearly did things to get Miro um right. And we still didn't block it with the shit. I mean, I said right. yeah. Dupree yeah. is just running right by folks on, on a slider quarterback quarterback keeper. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Awful. Awful. And uh so yeah, hopefully and you know what that tells me right there, Lester? That tells me that that play was not put in in early August. That play was put in last week. 
Because if you, you, there's no way you run that for two months and you don't have any idea who to block. Or you're and, not anticipating which way the defensive line may go. Or yeah. yeah. So and that's and that's a little worrisome. You know, why why haven't we had quarterback reads already in the offense? So I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We we, we can only hope he gets better. Um how hard uh, can it be, dude? Just block I, the guy in front of you. Seriously. You're you're running, the first guy you block out, he goes out, block out. The first guy you come to, you hit. But I know we had two negative plays on the quarterback keeper because Dupree missed blocks Dunks. to the inside. And one time he ran complete, he completely avoided a defensive end. He ran around, he like juked him out, and the guy just chased Milrow in the backfield for like minus two yards. I'm like, what are you doing? But anyway, you know, hopefully we get better. Go on the road, Ty. Jalen, don't turn the damn ball over, please. Uh, kick somebody's ass on the road. We haven't done that in a long time. Go on the Let's road, beat somebody's ass, um, like, like you know, like you're supposed to. But until next week, episode 91, Gunprinters Podcast, Chase Thornton, Jeremy Law, Lester Mitchell, we're out.